Hello and welcome to Southwest News Media's sports podcast, Sports for Dummies. I'm producer Rachel Minsky. This weekly show is hosted by our four sports editors, Tom Chardon, Todd Ablin, Eric Croucher, and Dan Huss. For the week of June 28, 2019, Dan Huss took Sports for Dummies on the road and sat down with Dr. Jim Wood from the Glen Lake Animal Hospital. For hunters who use hunting dogs, and for any dog owner for that matter, ticks can be a real problem here in Minnesota. Dr. Wood is talking about what he's seen in his practice regarding the tiny pests, plus the best ways to protect your animal. Well, Sports for Dummies is outdoors this week. I'm Dan Huss. I'm here with Dr. Jim Wood from the Glen Lake Animal Hospital. We thought we would talk a little about uh, one of the smallest but biggest pests around, wood ticks. And Jim, do people, uh, is everybody vaccinate or not vaccinate, but treat their dogs for ticks now? Uh, we're pretty aggressive recommending uh, external parasite control. Uh, I would say probably in our practice, we probably have 75, 70, 75% compliance with folks. Um, our recommendations now are uh, have changed a lot in the last number of years. We used to treat we call we called it our our uh, tick season, which was typically April to November. The trouble is, we see ticks. Uh, I've seen ticks on dogs in Minnesota every month except January in in my in my practice here. So, and these ticks can carry disease at any stage, whether they're larval, adult, uh, you know, they can carry disease from one animal to another. And so we need to get a lot more aggressive with that. And you, you said wood ticks. We actually have four ticks in Minnesota now. We have the wood tick, the brown dog tick, the Exodes ticks, which is the deer tick. And now we got a new one, our uh, Lone Star tick that came up from Texas in the last couple of years. So Lone Star ticks have been found southeastern Minnesota and they're spreading our way. So we need to be a very diligent in tick protection. Now, you know, I'm used to being able to, you know, you see a wood, what I would consider a wood tick on my leg, you just pull it off right. and off I go. But what about those Lone Star ticks, aren't they? Well, the problem is they carry some unique diseases uh, you know it can spread to dogs horses uh, humans especially and from what I've read because I've never had I've never even seen a lone I've seen pictures of a lone star tick but uh, uh, they, they have a scary subset of things they can carry too so it's not all just Lyme disease and there's Ehrlichia there's anaplasmosis there's uh, I've I've seen I've been to talks where uh, tick disease experts, pathologists, uh, uh, parasitologists, and they they say there's stuff in ticks that we don't even know what they have. They're very primitive, so you need to. My, my I simplify it. I just recommend diligent surveillance and tick prevention, and just don't let them get on well yourself or your dog. You know, cats don't typically have, a, I've only seen, 
like three cats in 30 years that ticks on them. So, <laughs> well, what about? Uh, I mean, should everybody treat? Or you know, I'm guessing years ago it was just the sporting dogs or or people that. Right. Uh, we we a we asked our clients uh, to determine what the lifestyle of their dog is. You know, in Minnesota. And I'm in Minnetonka, and there's a lot of cabin dogs, and so those guys, they are at the top of the list needing tick protection, and I recommend year-round prevention and protection on those dogs. Uh, I've seen a few dogs with Lyme disease that live in the western suburbs. They don't go to the cabin, you know, so the deer ticks are here. They're not in the high numbers, but I think a small lap dog a toy breed dog lives in the backyard. I, I think you should minimally treat March through November. And I, I've done with my dogs for several years. I, I just treat them year round. Now, cabin cabin country would be ground zero for deer ticks. Right. Yeah. In, in the, the in the country. Pretty much. I mean, central Wisconsin and north central Minnesota. There's more cases of human Lyme disease in these in our two neighboring states than the entire country combined every year. And you know Lyme disease, we can we test regularly for, uh, dogs. Every dog gets their annual exam. We, we part of their screening is tick-borne disease screening. I don't you know eight to ten years ago when that when the test first came out, we we would see forty percent positive Lyme. Uh, antibodies and dogs and now it's probably uh, I we, we might see one a month maybe but we see a lot of anaplasmosis or lichia and the like so I think and I and I never I tell my clients honestly I don't do this I'm not just saying it because I make money selling product but I think year-round prevention is you don't forget you don't, you know, it's not really as seasonal as we once led on to believe. And Has that changed with little climate differences? Yeah, I, I, I've seen that. I mean, I've seen it written. I've seen people talk of it. The, 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 the seasons are, you know, whether it's warming or cooling or whatever it's doing, that the, 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 the length of the seasons where we see ticks is longer. You know, our winters are obviously very cold, and the ticks aren't out then. But as soon as soon as you get a forty degree couple of days, they're out. So we saw ticks in uh, mid March this year. So we need to. You know, I, I just think you need to be more aggressive than a lot of people think they need to be. Well, full full disclosure, uh, Doctor Wood and I both have dogs out of the same litter, and we hunt Indeed. together quite a bit. Indeed, we do. Um, now, when I, I, my dog has a Lyme vaccine. Correct. Plus it's, it takes an oral treatment right. and a collar. Right. Can you be, is that too much? Uh, I don't believe so. I mean, especially for uh, the lifestyle our dogs have. Uh, I don't sell collars to everybody. Um, I, th I think uh, dogs that are exposed to I mean, the, the new products, the new uh, pharmaceutical class tick killer, the fluoroliner drugs, uh, they're far more protective than the topical insecticides.
collar by, a collar by itself will not be ample protection. Um, and, and, and the, the, the new, you know, we call them tick pills, but the, the new pharmaceutical oral monthly medications get all external parasites. I mean, they, they, it kills ear mites, uh, skin mites, fleas, ticks. Uh, we, treat, we treat ear mites and puppies with this stuff. It's awesome. So, and it's far safer than topical insecticidal spot-on products, in my opinion. Now, I was just talking to my daughter earlier this morning, and I can't remember when I've even seen a tick on one of my dogs. Mm -hmm. I, and I used to have a whitish dog. Right. And they you were, see you them. can see them easier. Right. But I still, I, you know, I look, and you can, you know, if you're holding your dog, you can usually... What? And I think that, and, and I came up with that in talking to some of my colleagues with the uh, permethrin insecticidal collars, uh, the scalabers and the Soresto type collars. Those are very repellent and those will help keep biting insects off and they, they'll repel mosquitoes from the dog's head too, but they really keep the ticks off. Uh, again, I would not rely on one of those by itself. And, and they're they're reasonably priced, and they you know, they last six months. And I use it. I wear it. My dog wears hers during the spring summer, and I use and they it can take, get wet. Yeah. So they, well, the scalaber collar, the dog can swim, have baths, and they, they still last six months. But I don't I don't think it's overkill to use an oral pharmaceutical insect uh, insect killer and, and a collar topically. Now and I, vaccinated, they definitely need to be vaccinated for Lyme. We're a, we're a Lyme endemic state, meaning it's, you're not safe anywhere you go. So, and it's very effective. So I, I, I just don't want to risk my dog having something break through. Now you probably hear it more than I do, but I still hear from people that will say, I'll just treat it mm -hmm. when it comes. Uh, you know, it, Lyme disease in dogs, uh, so if a dog is bitten by, and, and the deer tick is the only carrier of the Borrelia organism, which is Lyme disease. So a dog is bitten, the tick, uh, you, know, you know, the organisms enter the body through the bite, the tick bite, enter the, they're in tissue state for, you know, they're developing and doing their little, getting ready to, to invade the body but it takes about three to four weeks uh, if, during that time uh, if you test a dog for the for the disease in that time period they will be negative they will they will not have a positive test well the organism then enters the bloodstream and disseminates to bone marrow and organ tissues and and, and tissues throughout the body the brain nervous system and so about 25% of dogs that are bitten, it's about in that, about a quarter of the dogs will become clinically ill with Lyme disease if they're not vaccinated. And then if you treat them, you, know, you will abate their symptoms and a lot of them are fine, but you, the organism is never fully gone from the body. So it is a disease that has a chronic disease state and we worry about that in people. It can be heart disease neurologic disease uh, in dogs 
the big one in unvaccinated dogs, even if they're treated, they can develop what they call Lyme nephritis and it's early kidney failure and they do not survive. So that's, that. I've seen five dogs die in probably the last 10 years, non-vaccinated, young adult dogs, and they didn't survive that. So, and they had been treated with antibiotics. I just don't want to take it. I don't take the chance with it. it. I mean, it always seems odd to me that all our dogs have all these drugs available and treatments available, yet you and I, when we're walking around, we're at least we as much spraying as our, exposed. Spray your pant legs and your clothes. and Yeah, um, yeah I don't know. The, the vaccine... Uh, and I've heard there is a human Lyme vaccine in the pipeline again, but there's no vaccine for any of these other tick-borne diseases. And you know, again, we we can very easily keep the ticks from biting our dog. You know, that's not exactly true. They they will start to attach. They'll begin the attachment process, but they'll die. And I I have actually found several dead ticks in my house this spring, but they were dead. And they, they started to hook on the dog and fell off and died. So the stuff works. It's a better mousetrap than we've had ever. And this is the last, you know, three and a half years we've had these, uh, the tick pills, as I call them. They work. Now, I used the, we used, I think, together a couple years ago, a, a tick pill that was a three-month three month one, pill. yeah. I mean, uh, is that, and I, I'll admit, unless I had, you saying, hey, right. did you give right. Wilma her pill? Uh, uh, there's a couple things, and, and, and there's no knock on it. It's the same drug class. It's in a formulation that lasts longer, but it's been shown it lasts uh, in the neighborhood of, it doesn't last three months, and it, it loses effectiveness out in that uh, two and a half months or so, and, and you can't give it to young the, I, I can't. They, the puppies have to be three months old or something. So you got to wait another month before you can give it to them. So I, I decided the monthly interval is easier to remember because usually you tag that together with your heartworm and intestinal parasite control medicine, and I just give them all at the same time. Now, I mean, are you covered then with what about the the heartworm? I mean, how? prevalent are those kind of diseases? Yeah, heartworm disease in Minnesota is, it, it's under 7% probably in unprotected dogs. The dog, we, we actually have two dogs. Right now we started treatment in the last couple of weeks. Both were southern rescue dogs that were probably tested before the parasite was detectable on a blood screen. And so there's a lot of rescue import dogs coming into Minnesota from southern states. So I think more importantly, it's intestinal parasite protection and the medicine that we give. That's a monthly administered medication as well, and it gets it prevents and it prevents heartworm infection in a dog, and it kills the intestinal parasite exposure they get. So I think a total parasite control. Uh, program uh, and, and there are products for kitties too. I still have a lot of folks that have outdoor, indoor outdoor cats and they're very likely to see tapeworms and fleas and 
and there's some there's some good products for the kitties too. I know we're talking more specifically about dogs, but dogs are going to be the ones that see tick disease, and because of the way they live their lives in the world. But just in terms of dogs' overall general health, you know, we talked about you know the ticks and heartworm. I mean, is there is it food or to keep them in shape? I mean, what's the best thing you can do for your dog? I think the best thing you can do is keep their body weight down, you know, keep them in good body condition. And we, that, I see countless articles written about pet obesity. We see so many dogs that are, you know, people ask me every day, is my dog fat? And I have to say yes. <laughs> but, but, you know, you can, you know and I'm not picking on Labrador Retrievers, but I see, you know, 30% of the dogs I see in my practice are labs, and probably 50% of them or more are 15 to 20 pounds overweight. So the, if you keep a dog in good body condition, they will live 25% longer probably. And, you know, diet, there's a lot of, uh, you know, that's a whole different topic, but, you know, feeding a good quality dog food and feeding the appropriate amount and, you know, you know, in the well, in the whole wellness thing, you know, immunizations, uh, we, we, again, we question clients a lot about dog's lifestyle and, and figure a, you know, a vaccine program for that dog because they're, they're, they're not all the same. Now, you're probably when you started your practice, there was a lot more kennel dogs. Oh, yeah, a lot it more. Is, I mean, do people still do that? No, nah, not very much. You know, we we'd see a lot of trauma cases. Dogs get hit by cars. That, you know, not they're off leash. They're just roaming around the town, and you, know, you don't see that much anymore. You know, dogs live in the house mostly. You know, and I have a few folks that have kennels, but they're inside and warm. They're not in a dog house anymore. Those days, I think, at least in this part of the world, are gone. Thankfully. And that helps the dog live a lot longer too. And I, I remember I got an older dog, or older, four years old, and when I got the dog, it was overweight, and I started training with it, and I said, how can I get this weight off? And the guy said, don't feed it as much. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's pretty simple, <laughs> it really. Is. But, you know, on a working dog, if they're hunting, or they're doing agility, or they're doing, you know, some of that, you know, vigorous exercise if you feed them like you and i when we go hunting we feed we get done hunting and we feed the dogs while we're still out in, in the field on the way home and now we we also give our dogs a little treat during absolutely. the day is that yeah, absolutely. Uh, recommended yeah i don't know I, I kind of came to be my thing i started with uh, well, i have a veterinarian friend of mine in iowa he uses the brock's caramels for his dog well, then another friend of mine, he was talking to some guy, I don't know where he was, but it was a dentist from Wisconsin or something, but he fed his dog Twinkies. So I started doing that, and dogs love Twinkies, by the way. <laughs> At least my dog. I can confirm. <laughs> and and uh, then last season I got the uh, uh, Rice Krispie treats at Costco, and so... The dogs get one of those while they're in the middle. Of, it'd be like us. You need a little energy boost. So, I mean, is it I is it all a blood sugar yeah, type of thing? Yeah, I would think? say yeah. Is it, it's just it's more short term energy for mm -hmm. those dogs, and it's very important if it's warmer. 
it's not, and I suppose when it's dreadfully cold, I and mean, we've hunted when it's 30 below zero a couple of times, and those dogs need, they're burning a lot of energy to make heat too. So, but it just makes me happy to do it. The dog is so happy. <laughs> and and she is not fat, so, and especially when they're burning that much and they're running 20 miles a day, they, they need a little in between breakfast and dinner, I think. And obviously water I mean you should. oh my gosh that's critical yeah they need ample water break especially if it's warm and, the, and it's especially true of the dogs in the upland and in the, in the early season the water is so important and they need to stay on their tick protection year-round and, and one last thing when you are moving from state to state are there's rules on yeah the kind uh, of document documentation yeah, it used to be to um, you know the North Dakota had some weird thing a few years ago where you had to have a health paper signed by the state uh, USDA veterinarian and they gave up on that it was so labor intensive and people didn't understand it uh, I think in a lot of states I haven't been checked but uh, a lot of the DNR uh, folks can't ask for your dog's proof of rabies vaccination. Well, I would and just feel more comfortable if, and I've had to do it before, is your dog gets injured while you're out correct. of state. You're not, for the most part, right. you should try to treat that right away. Right. And so if you can have... Yeah, I, I would, what I would what tell folks is have a copy of your... your you know, and we do that all the time. We just print out what the dog's vaccine reminders are when it had his blood work and a rabies certificate and carry that with you. And just I, I actually keep that in my, uh, you know, I have a kennel cover on my kennel, a big pocket. I just keep it in there. So if I ever, if I ever need to show it, now I can probably prove to a DNR person that I'm my dog's veterinarian, so maybe I can. But I, I keep the proof there, but yeah. And that's a whole different thing, you know, if you get, dog gets hurt in South Dakota and either you turn and burn and go home or get them treated there. And that's probably, the sooner you treat them, the better it's going to be. So, and that happens a lot. But, I mean, you see, you know, they sell all these first aid kits with right. everything under the sun. Half of it, I not only do I not know how to use right. it, but I haven't ever seen it well, in use. That could be a whole new uh, discussion. <laughs> we could do that on the next one. Uh, but you know, most of what we what you're going to see is a you know laceration on a fence wire or, or a, a poke in the eye or a, you know, I've seen tongue laceration. Those are pretty serious potentially. Uh, but usually it's a skin laceration. I think the main thing is to cover it control the bleeding and seek you know, professional care. I've seen some majorly botched uh, And you pretty much, I mean, you've got I just to redo them. Yeah. I have to redo it. <laughs> but you have to just shut your dog down. I yep. Mean, you, yeah, yep, you really should. I mean, that's the best. You know, in the short term, you might get another bird, but then you got a dog that's got a worse injury that needs to be, take you twice as long to get to heal. Well, with... Uh, July just right around the corner. I mean, is there something people should be doing with their dogs now? Yeah, I think especially 
the people that are have working dogs that are right. going to be using I, them? I think starting some, you know, watching the hot weather, but conditioning, swimming is a great one. Get those dogs in the water, you know. Early morning workouts, uh, you know, retrieving that kind of stuff. But you know, just keep the if you can keep the weight on, keep the condition up a little bit, and then I usually really start ramping that up as we get into you know early September. You give them a couple weeks to really start working before it gets. And it's still warmish then, but but July is a crummy time to try to do a lot of heavy heavy lifting. Heavy lifting for. <laughs> I don't even want to be out there when it's 100 degrees out. And what about the people that will switch to a higher protein food maybe during the... Yeah, I, I used to do that, and it's kind of a pain to try to remember when to switch them over and that. Um, and, and I'm not a nutritionist, but I, I just... I just, a few years ago, I just started, I feed my dog more, and I weigh her every week, and or just, I just look at her, too, and keep her in the, if she's looking thin, feed a little bit more, and it depends week to week how, how much hunting is done, but but I, I think feeding, well, as an example, now I, my dog gets about a cup and an eighth twice a day, and when I'm hunting her, she gets probably five cups a day total. And that's to keep, actually you keep her from, you know, sometimes she gets too thin. So I, I feed more and that seems to work. And I know some people say, well, you need a high performance. And she's not a pretty high calorie, high protein food anyway. But, uh, I think you can compensate and probably spend the same amount of money with uh, feeding more of the regular food than buying a Right, I mean, you're not going to go to a food you buy at a big box store. Yeah, to I, would. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. No, that's not a recommendation. Yeah. And I know a lot of the gun dog people feed pro plan performance. That, that seems that the Purina makes a pretty decent food. And, you know, we can, we can go on and on about different foods. Everybody's got their favorite one. But uh, I, I've done I, that. I do some, too, though. Yeah. So I, I feed... Uh, I just feed the dog more when she's working hard. Well, very good. We've been uh, visiting with Dr. Jim Wood of the Glen Lake Animal Hospital, and they're just uh, kind of tucked between Minnetonka, Eden Prairie, Excelsior. Hopkins. Hopkins. Yeah, yeah. thanks for having me. This is fun. It's my first podcast. <laughs> we will try to uh, bring Jim back maybe this fall. Maybe we can get into what we should bring in those that's first a good, eight That's kits. a great topic, actually. And one of my favorite things to bring on my hunting trip is my veterinarian, yeah. Dr. Jim Wood. That's, I get a lot of <laughs> invites to go hunting from different people. It comes in handy, definitely. Thank you very much. Thanks, Dan. That's it for Sports for Dummies this week. I'm producer Rachel Minsky. Sports for Dummies is hosted by Tom Chardon, Todd Ablin, Eric Crusher, and Dan Huss. You can find their round-the-clock sports coverage on our website at swnewsmedia.com. To browse and listen to previous podcast episodes, find our podcast widget on our sports page. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.